Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thank you for being here with us today. We appreciate you. We appreciate that you're spending some time here with us, really honing your craft, honing who you are, learning how to thrive in your life and business. You're important. The world needs you, and in order for you to be all that you can be, you need to allow the best version of yourself to come out in everything that you do, all the things that you do with your business, all the ways and places that your life touches. And we appreciate that you value yourself enough um, to work on you, and we're grateful that you have chosen our show is one of the ways to be able to, uh, you know, increase yourself, to grow, to learn. Today, um, we're going to talk about and demystify something that often goes way over our heads. We hear it talked about all the time. I don't know if any of the rest of you watch it ever, but, you know, I like the TV show Shark Tank. It's a lot of fun to watch the different things that they do and to glean, uh, you know, from how to make your company investable. One of the best pieces of advice that I ever got, you know, from our good friend Errol Abrams, who, uh, Errol Abramson, who, um, you know, has been on the show a couple of times, was the whole concept of creating a company with, uh, you know, your end in mind. Who are you going to sell it to? You know, are you going to be selling publicly traded uh, stock and what would those stockholders look like and what do those kind of stockholders need or are you going to do a private sale of your company um, to a company and what is that company looking for uh, maybe you want to pass your company on to uh, the next generation and of course you need to uh, number one be sure that that dream of yours uh, gels with the dream of your children, but also that you've created a company that sets them up for success in the second generation, unlike so many companies that don't. And this is really good advice because, uh, you know, a lot of times we're so busy with startup that we, um, you know, we start out wrong. There's just no other way to say it. And there's an old saying, what starts out wrong ends up wrong. Um, you know, and we really have to understand that, uh, you know, the beginnings of things, just like when you're building the foundation of a house, foundations aren't that sexy, you know, um, depending on the kind of house, I think of the most basic where you're pouring just a cement slab, um, probably the most basic foundation a person can do. Um, you know, it's essentially just a shallow hole in the ground with cement poured into it, putting it very, very basically. I understand all of you construction workers that there's more to it than that. But, you know, basically stated, that's what you're doing. And, um, you know, because of, uh, you know, that simple thing, uh, 
that strong foundation creates success in everything else you do. So even as we're starting and wherever we're at, we need to have our future goals in mind, both what are we going to do today, next month, next week, this upcoming year, um, but also what's our five-year plan, what's our 10-year plan, and what is our exit strategy? Um, so often, and I've had several guests on the show that have talked about exit strategies, so often we're loving what we're doing, we're enjoying it, hopefully it's growing, and we don't think, don't even want to think about the exit, but yet, um, you know, that still is one of the primary key, most important factors in what we're doing. Um, and so, you know, coming back to what I was saying about uh, Shark Tank, one of the things that you've probably, if you watch the show, have heard them uh, talk about often people say, you know, they're going to spend money on SEO, um, search engine optimization. We're going to give you more detailed description and definition of that. But um, really, at the end of the day, the way we find things, you know, now, uh, I'll ask it to you a different way. When was the last time you actually looked up something in the yellow pages? You know, you've probably heard Kathy say before, when was the last time you actually picked up a copy of the New York Times? That's why we focus on Amazon bestsellers is because really, you know, I mean, maybe you have an app on your phone that posts some, uh, you know, some articles from the New York Times. But for the most part, you know... Really, when was the last time you even saw on a shelf in New York Times? Maybe if you were going through a magazine aisle or you were in a bookstore, maybe you saw one. But, you know, when was the last time you picked up one and read it? Conversely, when was the last time that you went on Amazon? When was the last time somebody you know bought something from Amazon? When was the last time you ordered a pizza over the phone or even more importantly, uh, on your on your phone, you know, on the Internet? Um, these days, if you call a pizza place, they're almost everyone that I've called, you know, their little pre-recorded message when they answer says something about, you can save yourself time by going to you know, pizzahut.com or, you know, whatever it might be. And, uh, you know, they want you to go to that app. It's easier for them. They don't have to stop making pizzas, delivering pizzas, those kind of things to take your order. They can just have your order come in and they can do what they do best. Um, the reason why I bring that up is because searching, using the Internet for information, you know, really living in this information age and making use of the information superhighway is a part of every single day of our life. And yet, as we're building our business, I would be willing to bet money, because I've done this for a long time, that one of the last things, maybe the thing that you've never thought about or you, like I said, think about last, is... How is what I'm doing impacting how it's going to show up on the Internet? And, you know, and then you get spammed with ads that say, you know, be number one on Google. Um, and uh, and some of you have probably tried it. And 
have learned the age-old adage, if it sounds good, too good to be true, it probably is. Um, but really, at the end of the day, there is a strategy to being seen, to have people search for what you do and find it. And ultimately, that's what we're going to talk about today, is how to get found. You have an incredible, powerful message to share with the world. Absolutely. I believe that just as much as I know I'm talking to you right now. I believe that you have a message to share with the world that they're looking for, that they need, and that you can do with grace, with ease, and with excellence. But before you can do that, people have to find you. You have to, first of all, be where they are. You know, if you set up a brick and mortar store, there's a place, it's about, it's about an hour and a half drive from where I live. It might even be two hours from where we live. Um, that's between here and Las Vegas. Um, and it is literally in the middle of nowhere. There's another place that's even further north than that. But um, there is a place uh, and you can buy property for like a dollar an acre. Because the next closest water is like 100 miles away. Again, that is a perfect example of being where the people are. You can have the best, you know, widget, gadget, watch it, whatever in the world. And if people don't know you have it, they can't find you. So the number one key is being where people are. And then number two, it's being available for them when they look for you. And so today, we're going to demystify this whole concept of optimizing what you do for the search engine. And we're going to really go into detail with it. I apologize in advance. Um, our guest and I um, both really love this subject, so there will be times that we geek out, but not in a confusing, techie sort of way, but just simply in a way that it's something we really enjoy and we want to bring to you you so that you too powerfully can be seen because then when you're seen people can interact with you and when they interact with you that's when you make money and although there's a whole other element a whole bunch of other elements to it let's always remember that one of the key elements to living as a thriving entrepreneur is to be able to pay your bills and to have the things that you want in life. And so today we're going to dive deep into SEO to help you on your goal to living as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. 
Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur. So let's do it. Let's jump into this SEO thing and really get you seen. Join me in welcoming Jeremiah Smith. Hi, Jeremiah. How are you today? I'm doing great, Steve. Thanks so much for having me. Real happy to be here today. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start off with just some basics. Tell people uh, who you are and how you show up in the world. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my name is Jeremiah Smith. I'm the president, CEO, and founder of uh, a marketing agency called Simple Tiger. And um, Simple Tiger specializes in doing search engine optimization for SaaS companies, uh, software as a service companies. And, um, yeah, I got my start in SEO probably about 12 years ago. Started totally by accident. Um, it's kind of a long story how it happened. Not sure what angle to attack this at, but I will say I kind of stumbled into SEO after uh, building websites for some clients and and found that I totally loved it. And over time, just decided to start and build an agency. And yeah, that's what brings me to today. So for people who have been living under a rock or whatever, <laughs> that don't know what SEO is, explain to people in layman's terms what SEO is. Sure, absolutely. So SEO is short for search engine optimization. And uh, the, the whole idea behind search engine optimization is to help businesses or, or any kind of website, I guess, show up in Google or any kind of search engine for certain keywords that may be relevant to what your business does. Um, and so an example might be, let's say, you know, one of our clients might be an invoicing software that wants to show up in Google for invoicing software. Um, we would help them do that, help them show up for that keyword. And uh, the idea there is that a certain amount of people are searching for that keyword every month. And uh, those people are actively interested in finding some invoicing software. And so if you show up well for that keyword, you know, the first few positions in Google, odds are your business is going to be able to capture that that revenue, capture that person and sell to them. So um, the, the benefit with SEO really that kind of makes it a standout versus other marketing methodologies is out of all of the marketing methodologies out there today, search engine optimization still has the highest converting capability as a new traffic generator. So if you're, if you're bringing in new visitors to your website and trying to convert them into a customer, SEO is the hottest and best way to do that. So now, of course, SEO has changed. Um, you know, I'm old guard when it comes to the internet. Um, it's changed immensely since the um, mid-90s when, uh, well, we won't talk about what people were spamming in the right. searches back then. But, um, you know, with the advent of Google and different things, uh, search engine optimization has definitely come a long ways. What is... Of all the things you could talk about, what is maybe the number one thing that's most important in SEO these days? In SEO these days, I would say making sure that the content on your site meets the searcher's intent for whatever kind of subject that you're writing about or, or, or that you 
you know, that you um, are targeting. So like, for example, a target keyword, again, we'll go back to invoicing software. Um, this is probably a pretty boring topic, but if we write a piece of content that, that we understand, first of all, the searcher's intent behind that keyword. So let's just pretend for a second that the, the searcher's intent on the keyword software, you know, invoicing software is they are legitimately looking for an invoicing software. And that's all there is to it. Very cut and dry. Um, obvious examples of that might be QuickBooks and they have an invoicing solution. Another company is FreshBooks and they have an invoicing solution. So if you go to Google and you search invoicing software, you'll find the top two results are for uh, pages where the entire product itself is exactly what I searched and the page is describing that exact software in detail with videos and images and text all explaining the product. And so basically what I'm saying here is the piece of content that you're going to find the top that, that ranks well in Google, the go, Google's whole goal is to make sure that the content that you find accurately matches your intent when you're searching a keyword, because if it does, you're going to love using Google. And if you love using Google, and you continue searching on there for free, uh, odds are you might end up clicking an ad or two. And if you click some of the ads, you're generating revenue for Google because Google charges money to advertisers who advertise on the Google platform. And so when you search, you'll find that if I search right now, you know, invoicing software, I personally see four ads and then I see QuickBooks. Um, QuickBooks is really what I was looking for there, but I had to scroll through four ads to get to it. If I clicked one of those ads though, uh, the advertiser, Stripe or Zoho or Chargebee or any of these companies might be paying Google um, $1, $2, $5, $20 in order for me to click on that ad. And so Google makes a large amount of money when people click ads. I would say that when you see that Google, you know, what their market cap is and their you know, they're currently worth, what is it, uh, 1058 per share, something like that. Um, and their market cap is $700 billion. Uh, I would say 90 something percent of that comes from ads. And so it's good to know that that's where Google makes their money. And so what they're going to try to do is just build a relationship with you by showing really good results that are, that are relevant to the keyword you search. So, Typically speaking, here's what I've found at least, is as soon as a person understands that they should do SEO, um, they immediately want to go in and start adding their own keywords because, of course, we always as people think we can just do it ourselves, whether we can or not. <laughs> we always try first, right? Um, and they end up putting in, um, you know, a bunch of what you and I would call high-level words. Um, in other words, really basic words. Um, so they'll put in the keyword money um, and they'll put in the keyword invoice and they'll put in the keyword accounting. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so explain to people why it is that um, the use of a high level word like that really isn't going to get them the customer that they're looking for. Sure. You set me up perfectly here. So the idea that I, I mentioned a moment ago is searcher intent is critical. And it's becoming more and more critical. Google's always trying to figure out what do you mean by what you say? 
I mean, that's the beauty of human interpersonal communication anyway. And if you're in a relationship with someone and they say something, boy, you wish you just understood exactly what they meant all the time, right? It's like reading their mind. So Google's trying to do that every time you search with a keyword. And they're getting better and better at it by using artificial intelligence and learning, hey, so many people have searched this keyword and then clicked on this result and then spent a lot of time on that web page and studied it and and clicked more on that page and everything and, and maybe even bought from that company. And so we've got a really good estimation that this page is what people who search this keyword are really looking for, right? And Google's trying to do that non-emotionally. They're trying to do that very logically and objectively. And so they're using, you know, artificial intelligence to figure that out. So really why you don't want to use a keyword like invoicing or uh, money is that keyword is, is so um, nebulous compared to low cost invoicing software or invoicing software for plumbers you know like those are those are examples of very specific high uh search intent keywords high transaction keywords another example that i've heard many times before and i've used many times before is like men's suit if i'm looking up that keyword you can determine two things about me i'm a, most likely a man or someone shopping for a man and I'm wanting a suit or I'm wanting to buy a suit for a man. Uh, but if I'm looking up black Hugo Boss pinstripe men's suit, well, if you're Saks Fifth Avenue, you better be advertising on that keyword, right? You wanna rank for that keyword. So the searcher intent on that second variation there is way higher than the searcher intent on that first variation. And therefore, the, the likelihood that you're gonna sell to that second person is really good you're likely gonna convert them if you have that product and you show the content, like the Amazon search result page or whatever result page that you have that product, you're likely gonna sell it. Whereas men's suit, a million people a day are probably searching that keyword, <laughs> maybe not a million, but like a lot of people a day are searching that keyword with very little intent. And they're just starting their search. And so you don't really want them clicking on your ad, especially because you're gonna spend money on that. Uh, but you also don't want to rank for that keyword because you probably get a lot of search volume for that keyword, but very little uh, actual sales. And it's going to take you a lot of money and a lot of effort to rank for men's suit versus black Hugo Boss pinstripe men's suit, right? Uh, it's just less competition on that second term. And so um, there are multiple reasons that you want to go for the longer tail. Uh, also, about 80% of search volume that a site is likely to get 70 to 80 percent is typically longer tail meaning that people are likely finding you through longer search terms anyways so uh, there there's even more volume to be had in the longer tail if you use a strong long tail search strategy and i would encourage the listener who is still maybe feeling a little bit lost in the technical minutia because you know you and i've done this for years and we love it so yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I would, I would suggest to them, open up Google, you know, google.com. If you've never been there before, then maybe, maybe this, are, maybe this conversation really is above your head. Um, but, uh, and then just type in the word money or even the word suit um, and see how many result returns you get. You know, it's going to probably be somewhere in the billions um, at least a hundred million ish. <laughs> um, and so if you think about as a customer, um, as a company rather trying to find a customer um, and scream through a crowd of a billion people, 
versus if you, I liked that one you did, Hugo Boss men's black pinstripe suit. If mm-hmm. you type that in, how many, I mean, how many returns are there for that? Yeah, right. Um, compare the two of those. So I think that's a really good way for people to, to visually see it for those that are our visual learners. Yeah. And I hope during this commercial break that you will take the time to do a Google search for the word money and see how many zillions of results come out and then do a a search for something really specific like Hugo Boss men's black penstripe, you know, suit in your city and see if there's even one result that comes up. Um, whatever your niche is, the more specific you get, the more you can really be talking to your customer, the more that your customer can also find you. And then that way you can live as a thriving entrepreneur. Don't go away. We will be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to WeHelp youthrive.com check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today welcome back to thriving entrepreneur this is steve welcome back i'm here with jeremiah smith and today we are talking about search engine optimization seo and we're helping to demystify some of the things we want to help you be able to be where your clients are to be seen by them so that they will do business with you. So I do want to uh, move a little bit away from the, the technical stuff because, you know, you and I could just geek out all day about, uh, you know, search engine optimization. Yeah. Um, and I want to move it in a little bit more to our basic client base. You know, most of our people are authors or aspiring authors. They either have or are going to have a book. Um, and I want to talk about Amazon because here's what we found. Um, and you can tell me if, if you've discovered this as well, um, is, is that whereas Google is an information search engine, mm-hmm. Amazon really at the end of the day is a search engine for people who want to buy stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is a fun conversation. I'm so happy you asked that because SEO for the longest time in, in my career has been dominated by Google. So when we're talking about SEO, it seems like we're talking about Google. Whereas Google is just the most dominant general search engine. Okay. So they're a, they're a general search engine, meaning you can search anything in Google. And so they're very general in that regard. Um, and they're the most dominant in terms of the search market share, meaning 70% of people search on Google and the rest search on all the rest of the other general search engines. Now, 
Amazon is still a fairly generic search engine. And I say fairly because it's, it's much more focused than Google and it's more focused on the transaction. So Amazon, and this is where Jeff Bezos, I think did a fantastic job. He saw that search was a, a primary component in business and uh, in, insofar as he was concerned and that the transaction was really the only search he cared about. He didn't care about searches that don't generate transactions. He wants a search that does generate a transaction. And we recently hit, I can't remember where this report came from or if this is entirely true. I may, may just be regurgitating rumors here, but I heard recently that Amazon in the past year has, has, has surpassed Google in terms of product related searches, meaning that now more people begin their product search on Amazon than they do on Google which is exciting and different and disruptive and all that. Uh, Google has needed a competitor for a while because Bing and Yahoo used to be their competitors, um, but in such a small way that it was a joke. They were a laughable competitor. Well, Amazon has blown up to the point where Amazon is legitimately now competing with Google. They're stealing market share from Google. They are taking revenue from Google by offering up better product results on their own search engine. And so people are now, like if I'm looking for a product, why would I even waste my time on Google? It might be sloppy and messy and maybe a bunch of different sites that I don't know or trust and don't want to put my credit card info in. When I've got a nice, healthy, secured Amazon account and I know what to expect if I order through Amazon, I know what the shipping is going to be like, what the returns are going to be like. I know it's secure. Uh, I can trust the reviews, things like that. Why don't I just go search in Amazon? So, I mean, I personally begin my product search in Amazon. So that said, Amazon is a search engine. So that's something that we should think about. And the SEO rules that apply to Amazon do not apply necessarily the same way in Google, right? So on Google, SEO is, you know, if you're an e-commerce company and you want to perform well in Google, it's going to come down to how well your site is optimized for Google, right? Your website that you sell your products through are optimized for Google. But if you're on Amazon, it has nothing to do with your website. Their algorithm is looking at your listings in Amazon. So the products that you've listed in your seller's account, the reviews that you have, the age that you have in the account, how many people are clicking on and purchasing your product actually matters. So if more people are clicking on and purchasing your product, then it's going to rank better, which almost seems unfair. It's almost like the guy who gets a lot of sales is going to get a lot more sales. Um, but that's how their algorithm is set up. They're rewarding people who are using SEO properly on Amazon. And but if I can interrupt you for just a second, Jeremiah, mm -hmm. it's important to note that what you just said is totally true, um, that it is um, leaning towards a person who's getting more sales. The one thing that the algorithm doesn't do is it doesn't give any more weight to the price that a person pays for a product. It's just purely who's selling more products. So you could sell your product for zero, 99 cents, a dollar, or you could sell it for a million dollars and it's still only in Amazon's algorithm counts right. as a sale. Right, right. And it, 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 goes, it goes with natural human psyche to assume that the lower priced product is going to rank better indirectly because they were more likely to sell a product because it was competitively priced. But there are examples on Amazon where a lower priced version of the exact same product can't get any sales because the one selling the most 
has the most reviews, the most history, uh, and, and things like that. And so therefore has sold the most. Um, so, so trust is actually an indicator that plays into, I, I believe, plays into the algorithm indirectly in Amazon. And I say indirectly, meaning that you and I trust it more. And so we buy from that one more, which triggers the algorithm to say, well, this one must be the one that the people want. And so they're going to show that result more uh, than the lower price version who people just don't trust. Like I've, I've seen some listings for some products on Amazon where I'm like that ad, that, that listing is literally too good to be true. Let me check it out. And maybe it was for like a camera and the camera had 1500 reviews over here at this site that seems like a normal priced product. But then on this one on, on Amazon, I'm like, uh, they don't have any reviews and it's way low price. And you know, it's the, the, the company is from a country I'm not expecting to buy the product from I'm like, eh, I'm not going to buy it. Right. And so they can't sell it. So uh, that that's an interesting aspect to Amazon's uh, SEO, I guess, so to speak. And, and if you think about, you know, you go over to iTunes and you're looking for an app for your iPhone, uh, there's SEO that applies there as well. Has nothing to do with Google or Amazon. Has everything to do with iTunes rules for how they rank apps when you search for productivity apps or games, stuff like that. So all kinds of different SEO out there. But again, it does start from that specificity with keywords. Mm -hmm. So again, if you were on Google, on Amazon, on iTunes, trying to fight the battle to win the word money. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I always use that one, you know. I like that. Um, you know, you really have an uphill battle and you're fighting against people who have billions of dollars that they spend in advertising. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you um you know money secrets for small you know small startup companies. That right. probably wasn't a great search engine phrase, but <laughs> um, you know, if you're specific in those terms, in those phrases, um, you're gonna have better results for the people right. you really actually want to talk to. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's where I think SEO is such a fun subject. Um, not just because of what I what I already do and what I enjoy doing, but like the fact that what you just brought up having having SEO apply in so many different ways where it could be a, a variety of different search engines that are ultimately gaining this, you know, the, this value from a keyword perspective is really interesting. And I love the fact that you use word money. I think that's a cool way of putting it. Um, but that really, yeah, that really comes down to keywords have value to them. And they each have their own form of value and intrinsic value and stuff like that. So I think it's very interesting to see like how it, how it changes depending on the platform you're on. So again, let's, uh, let's talk some concepts. Um, we've been talking all about this long tail keyword phrase. Um, but how does a person who's never done that before, you know, cause you and I, you know, we kind of get used to finding that phrase, but <laughs> for the person starting out before they just come and hire you, um, mm -hmm. how do they begin to learn what phrases are really going to work for them? Yeah. So we do a process called keyword research. Um, and this is keyword research is, um, 
I don't want to say it's a futile effort. It's, it's a, it's a very difficult thing to do perfectly. Um, I actually tell people, uh, I can't say do perfectly. I, I, I don't think it's possible to do keyword research perfectly. I think it's possible to do it extremely well, but I, I think it's just kind of like golf. You'd be the best golfer in the world and just give it a couple of years. Somebody's going to come, come along and just crush you. Um, that's how it goes. That's how keyword research is. You may think you're getting it and you make it really close. And then before you know it, the human psyche changes in mass. The way people are searching changes in mass. What people are looking for, why people are looking for it changes. And now the rules have changed for keyword research. And so what we're talking about with keyword research really is the way people look for what they look for and their motivations behind it. So, I mean, that's, that's constantly evolving, you know? Um, I mean, we look at it even just regionally, you know, one country may be shifting from third world to first world. And so the way they're searching for things shifts and what they're searching for shifts, the motivations behind what they're searching for shifts. And it goes from being very much a, uh, a, a nation in, in need to a nation in terms of want. And so just there, that, that single thing right there could be a massive change. Now, I know I'm getting very philosophical and high level with you, but I, I like to do that just to show people really what you're dealing with when you're talking about keyword research. Now, what we do as a process at, at Simple Tiger is way less philosophical and nebulous. It's way more concrete. So we're dealing with businesses and we're primarily dealing with software companies. So it's much easier for me to focus it down and get really concrete. So to, to kind of start things off, we usually like to work with companies that have already run some paid search campaigns. So a paid search campaign is really just getting your business uh, to, to have some ads in Google and seeing how those ads uh, react or, or how the audience reacts to those ads. So if people are clicking on your ads for certain keywords in Google and they're coming into your site and you're tracking whether or not they're converting and stuff like that, then you can assign some value to some individual keywords or phrases. And then you can take those keywords and you can add those into an SEO effort and, and even research those keywords as well as some others a little bit more deeply and get a lot more intelligent around what is the intent? You know, if, if you ran some ads and you had maybe a hundred different keywords that you were targeting with all of your different ads, uh, and maybe five of those ads got most of the sales, well then what, what five keywords were those? Because that's really what your audience thought, you know, when they searched the keyword, that those keywords were most relevant to what your product is selling or what, what your site is selling. And so from there, you could take those keywords and estimate that if you rank for those keywords organically, in, in Google search that you will drive more business from that. And so we take that into consideration that weighs very heavily because that's real world data. Uh, but then we also look at some other research tools that pull back data around search volumes for keywords, competition for keywords and how well a client ranks for keywords already. So, you know, if a, if a website ranks in the third or fourth page of Google for a keyword, it's not performing well for the keyword, but it is relevant for the keyword in Google's eyes. So that's a low hanging fruit. We could push them from the third or fourth page of Google to the first page of Google much more easily than we could push them from completely unranked for a keyword to ranking well for that keyword. So if I see that, Google already has some prejudice that the client does rank for that keyword uh, or, or is relevant to that keyword. So that's easier for me. Uh, but really keyword research is kind of the first step in our process. It's the whole purpose there is to figure out what keywords we want to target. We use a bunch of tools to figure that out. We look at relevance as kind of the driver and then 
um, nail down a target list of keywords, and then move into the various other aspects of SEO. So um, I'm going to ask on behalf of the listeners, is SEO something that a person uh, nowadays should actually even try to take on themselves or should you just hire somebody to do it for you? Good question. I think it really depends on, on a bunch of different factors. Um, I think if you, if you have a business that you just started and um, maybe you're a one man operation, one person operation, and you just got it going, um, it, it's probably a good idea to just practice a few things on your own to begin with. Um, it's, it can get very expensive. I mean, you hire an agency like ours, we are structured to fit a very certain specific market. And so, I mean, our pricing starts at $3,000 a month and goes up. We have some clients paying 20, 30,000 a month. So it can get very expensive very quickly when you go hire an agency to do SEO, but it's not expensive for their target market. Like for example, we're actually competitively priced for our target clientele. And so um, those clients are ones that are making a few million a year in revenue already. They are, they fit a certain category, which is software and things like that. Um, if you are just getting started though, uh, and, and you own a business, let's say it's a small local business, you could do things such as write a few pages on your website of content about what your business offering is. So let's say maybe you're a local, um, I'm trying to think of like a good little local business. Maybe you are a local shoe store and you sell a few different types of shoes, but you really do focus mainly on exercise shoes. So it's so a running, you know, like there's a, there's a store in my hometown in Atlanta. I think it's called like peach, peach tree running, running company or something like that. But they focus on selling shoes specifically for people who run in marathons and races. And that's, that's like super targeted, right? And they're a local brick and mortar store. So they're targeting Atlanta for that. I mean, that's, that's very targeted. Well, if they write a lot of stuff about the shoes you knew you need to ride or to run the, the Peachtree road race, you know, like that's super targeted, but boy, the Peachtree road race is in Atlanta. That's the name of their company and that's their target market. And that's probably a search that people might be doing. And a few hundred thousand people run that road race every year. So it's not a bad idea to look into that as a, as a potential keyword strategy, right? Um, and, and writing pieces of content like that to begin with, if it's really well-written content, is a good place to begin because you've invested your time into what we call an asset or, or something that's going to sit there. And over time, it's going to generate revenue for you on its own. You're not going to have to do anything. It's a salesperson that's sitting there on the web 24 hours a day selling to everyone who will read it. And so it's a very powerful tool to go ahead and invest in some pieces of content. It doesn't take a lot to be effective. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of a few pieces of content to get you to show up for a few different keywords that will generate revenue endlessly, meaning over and over again, every month people are searching for it, it, it generates revenue. Um, and then once you've got those assets, if you can talk to some other sites and bloggers and uh, media outlets and contributors at different sites, and get them to link to your piece of content as a resource um, in, in what they're writing about, that link will actually count as like a vote, a relevancy indicator to Google that you are who you say you are, that you are valuable, and that you uh, have some authority. And that 
will actually help your piece of content rank even better in Google. So if you start by doing those couple of things, you're already on the path to some solid SEO. And I've worked with some small businesses in the past who have done that actually really well. And it grew them to the point of being able to easily afford an, an agency to kind of take over and, and really throw gas on the fire for them. So I recommend starting with something like that. So have a website, write a post, um, mention that key phrase in the post um, a couple of times. And then if you have anything that also has, um, you know, your ability to add keywords or things like that in there, add that as well. Um, so do you still recommend um, using something like WordPress to run your website front or what do you recommend these days? Yeah, when it comes to platforms, we tend to stay pretty platform agnostic. Um, I, I don't want to get too stuck on any one platform really, but um, I, I will say that in my experience, WordPress is fantastic. You know, the, the clients that we work with are variety of different platforms. And so that's why we have to just kind of be open to a bunch of different potential things. And oftentimes, since we work with a software community, uh, they built their own. And so, I mean, you can build your own site manually and it worked just fine, but WordPress is fantastic. Um, they offer a lot of plugins and features. If you're doing, you know, if you're just building a general website and maybe, maybe you're a local business that needs lead generation, or maybe you're a consulting business, you need lead generation. WordPress is fantastic. Um, if you're a product seller and you're trying to sell products through your site, and so you need an e-commerce platform, something like Shopify is really good. Uh, it's clean, easy to set up. Um, but yeah, there are a bunch of different different platforms for different uh, different types of businesses. Um, I would just really keep in mind that your platform is only as good as the foundation of your your house is really. I mean, it's like it is the foundation. So um, it, it's not your actual house. You can go sleep on a concrete pad if you want, but it's not that comfortable. But you can't build a house without a concrete pad. So um, the platform is important, but at the end of the day, it's only a tiny smidge of what SEO is all about. So I would say, you know, get on a platform that works well for you, that you're comfortable with. And more importantly than anything, I would say something that you are definitely going to use and you enjoy using. If you enjoy using it, odds are you will use it. And if you will use it, you will be creating content that is good, that people will link to, and that will help you do SEO really well. And at the end of the day, content is king, um, regardless of the platform, even if you're talking about on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, um, it really has to do with having good content and have that be targeted content in order for people to, you know, both read it as well as understand what the heck you're talking about. Right, right. I mean, content is absolutely king. And uh, in regards to SEO, that's 100% the truth. And it's funny, I've gotten in heated debates with people who say, but, but you can't, you know, links are, are really king because you've got to, you know, you got to build, you can write a piece of content and it can never rank. You got to build links to it and it could rank. And I'm like, that, while that is true, links aren't king because what do links point to, you know, the content <laughs> links point to content. So well, um, yeah. And in fact, if your content is bad and you get a really great link 
to really bad content, Google will be like, mm, no, that's not really relevant to what they were searching for. Totally. Uh, that'll end up being a problem for you as opposed to something good for you. Yes. Yeah. And even, I mean, Brian Dean is somebody I really trust. I think a lot of people ought to check out. He's an incredible SEO professional. Um, his content is fantastic. I read everything he produces because he teaches me new stuff. And he did a post recently about uh, ranking number one for a keyword with a piece of content that he built zero links to. And it was incredible man <laughs> his whole thing there was he figured out the searcher's intent what the searcher was looking for and he wrote a piece of content that completely nailed what the searcher is looking for and submitted it to google and with no links was able to rank number one for a pretty competitive keyword where other pages that were below him had lots of links pointing to him and he outranked them no links now links are extremely valuable i don't want to undersell the value of links they're extremely valuable when you've written a good piece of content there's nothing better than a fantastic, well-written piece of content and lots of good, relevant links pointing to it. That's how you dominate. And that's the process that we use for our clients. And there is a ton more. Jeremiah and I could go on for probably the next 10 hours talking <laughs> to people about just, you know, just the basics of SEO before we even get into the, you know, the tips and the tricks of the trade. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Jeremiah, we would like to, um, you know, be able to allow people to continue conversation with you if they have uh, uh, interest in working with you or those kind of things. How would a person get in contact with you? Sure. Yeah. So I, I think the easiest way is, you know, if you're interested in finding out if SEO is good for you, especially if you're a SaaS company, um, contact us through our website, uh, simpletiger.com. There's an opportunity for a discovery call there, which is a great way for us to just get to know each other. And I get on calls every, almost every day for discovery calls with people that may or may not be a good fit for us. And if they are a great fit for us, we end up in a relationship. If they're not, I point them in a good direction where I can, I can really help them. And I love giving advice. I love talking about this stuff. So if you're interested in just having a talk about SEO for your business and you want some just unfiltered advice, um, you know, just get in touch through simpletiger.com. I really appreciate that. Cause I know that, um, you know, with the level of companies you work with, you could very easily be like, you know, Hey, if you're not a million dollar company, don't, don't waste my time. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean that in, in my experience, I, I could do that, but I, I've found that I really do enjoy helping businesses, even if they're, if they're small and can't work with us yet. Uh, if, if I give them the right advice, they will grow and they will build and then they will remember where they got a lot of that that education from and they'll come back and they'll say, all right, look, we're at the level now we're ready to work with you. And I've had that happen too many times to tell you. So I, I love that. I love helping the community. Are there any last tips that you'd like to give people before uh, we go away for today? Um, yeah, there's a tip that I give on almost all of my, um, all of my interactions like this, if I had one kind of piece of advice about marketing in general to give, and this really goes back to branding. I think quality branding is, is key. Um, and that, that'll help you with everything from content being king to knowing who your audience is. Good branding is the, uh, I think the, the end all be all of good marketing. And uh, my favorite branding axiom goes like this. It says, be clear, not clever, be different, not better. And the idea behind that is if you're clear, people understand you. If you're clever, people won't understand you. And if you're different, then you're able to fit into a category where people need. 
But if you're better, better is superlative and better for you may not be better for me. Like for example, if I'm looking for a reliable car, Toyota is better in my mind than maybe Volkswagen. But if I'm looking for a, uh, a comfortable, fun car, Volkswagen may be better where Toyota may not be. You see what I'm saying? So, so better is relative. Uh, if you're different, if you differentiate yourself, then you're able to actually hit a target really well, hit a market really well. And if you're clear about how you differentiate, then you can really nail it. So all those brands I just named, by the way, are really good at both of those. So I don't want to rip on them, but um, they're, they're, they're great at that. So yeah, that would be my, my key tip, my key takeaway. Jeremiah, I appreciate so much uh, the time you spent with us here today and really breaking down what is a very complex kind of a situation to people in easy terms. Thanks for spending some time with us here today. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Steve. I really enjoyed it. And I hope I was able to add some value to your audience here. I really appreciate the time that we had. And I hope that each of you that were listening picked up some tips it is very generous of Jeremiah to offer his time. Um, and there are a lot of experts out there that will give you a few minutes of time and advice. Um, you know, some of these things, when you start off, you'll do by yourself. And then as your company grows, you will find experts that can do those things so that you can focus on doing that thing that only you can do. That thing that you really excel at. While you're doing that, you will more and more focus more and more on presenting and being the best part of yourself in the world. And when you do that, of course, that's how you can be a thriving entrepreneur. We're going to do our last commercial break here, and then we will be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelp.com youthrive.com check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today welcome back to thriving entrepreneur this is steve welcome back Thank you so much for the time you invested today here with us on Thriving Entrepreneur. You know, ultimately, we want to just help you move that little needle point shift. And maybe you understand a little bit better now how people look for things and how you can present things so that people can find what you have. Ultimately, the biggest piece of thriving really does have to do with being the best version of yourself in the world. And here's the reason why we do it. Often, I think it's easy throughout the course of even a week to forget this, but we need to remember that the reason why we're doing what we're doing, it's not for us. It's for the people that we were meant to serve. There is somebody right now 
that's on Google. They're on Amazon. They're on Facebook. They're doing a search. They need you to be specific in your presentation of your stuff so that when they search for the answer that you have, they find you. They're desperate. They're looking for an answer. They made a wrong choice last week, last month, last year. They're going to continue to make that same wrong choice until they can find you. And one of the things that you know you have to do is to put yourself in a place where you're available for them to be able to find you. Now, one of the best ways to do that is to have a book and not just any old book. You know, the truth of the matter is we've been talking about the search um, all day. And one of the things that a lot of times traditional bookstores, book publishers will convince you is, is that you should write this giant 350 page book with 25 or 50 chapters in it and tell the world everything you know. But today's entrepreneur understands that your book is just the beginning of the conversation. It's just a taste. It's just an introduction so that you can begin to talk about all the things you can help a person with. The same is true with the search engines. The search engines don't have the capability to say, you know, there's this brilliant person with this 500-page book and on page 27 or page 297 is exactly the answer to this question you're so desperately searching for. However, when we focus our book, just like we've been talking about focusing our search engine, our keywords, our verbiage, all of those kind of things, when we're focused, we then can meet people where they are, find them when they're searching, and help provide them for the answers. There's all kinds of tips and tricks like that. Kathy gives away her million-dollar strategy that she's literally helped millionaires double and triple their income with, um, as well as helped people who have never made a dime in their business make hundred to hundreds of thousands of dollars in their first year. She gives all of those away for free in our group. So even if just for that... Plus the fact, of course, that you need to put your book out. Please do come join us at Best Sellers Guild. That's bestsellersguild.com. Because you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose. And the world needs you. Kathy and I, all that we do, we're here to help you so that you can live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. We want that for you, and we hope you will get it as you go on this journey with us. Until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? 
Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.